This is Discipleship Dissected on Coach and Joe. Welcome to Coach and Joe. I'm back with Blaze, and we're on session four of a conversation on Hyper Grace. Tell the story when you first got to Bridgeway. I think it's funny because Jeremiah Johnson prophesied this place was a threshing floor. Yes. People people get triggered here, and they don't know why. Mm-hmm. They, they want to blame it on a person or whatever. You were so triggered. So here here's something that <laughs> when when we showed up uh well we left Asheville which is a very liberal city and I wasn't even aware of, What were you doing up there? Man, my wife and I got married in 2014 and we were living in Nashville, Tennessee when we met and we decide, her parents were out here in Greer. Well, Nashville was where I went to write my book. There was crazy supernatural grace I mean, someone gave me $10,000 to move to Nashville to write my book. I mean, there was everything set up that seemed like God things, which it was, it was, but there was also some extras, if that makes sense. Mixture. Yeah, mixture. He didn't like mixture. That's the word, bro. That is the word. You put some rat poison in a sweet tea and something's going to go south. That's, That's the word, is there's mixture. But there was also a lot of grace on that season to get me there. Then I met my wife and then... We got married, and then honestly, man, at that point, I didn't know, like, there was no reason for me to be in Nashville. She had just moved there. Her family was out here. I said, well, let's move a little closer to your family, and then we passed through Asheville one day. We said, let's move there. So we moved to Asheville, and uh, we made tons of friends. We started, my wife is such a creative, she started this this Instagram account that blew up there, all about photography and small business. We, st- we started meeting so many people, Chad. Well, it was like, it, I felt like I was incognito at times because everybody we were friends with was an ex-Christian or a non-Christian that had been triggered by the church and left the church pretty much. And I mean, it is like, it is a haven for young liberals that just hate God and hate anything conservative. And uh, me from Texas originally literally grew up like my my dad's a right-wing conservative Christian pastor. You know, It was like, we're hanging out there and uh, I'm trying to just like be open-minded. And like what I ended up finding out was, I mean, man, my true colors came out just of different things, be it uh, what I believed about Jesus and politics. And then eventually like everybody hated our whole business and we got basically canceled. We got cancel cultured. That's a whole nother story, but we left there. That was the grace of God. Yeah, it was, man. God it, doesn't just open doors. You know doors. what the he Lord showed them. me is it was Jonah getting spit out of the mouth of a whale. Uh-huh. And um, People and, don't talk much about God shutting doors. I want. I got the. I got the key of David. I'm gonna use my key, and yeah. I'm gonna open doors. There, hang on. Yeah. There are times that God will shut a door, and it is His grace. Yeah. Because He's calling you because, back to where you're supposed to be. Because something that would have happened is we would have blown up there in a, in a good way in this world because we had so much. We were growing so much influence. We were a known name around the city, not our names, but our name of our business. Well, anyway, God shut that door, and uh, people hated us. I mean, my wife, my poor wife. <laughs> I mean, she didn't know what she was getting into when she married me, but uh, but she's so so strong and so awesome. But she, she, everybody, all of a sudden hated her. She's like, "What did I do?" I, I, I'm like, "Baby, you married me." <laughs> like, I talked to Wendy about that uh, this morning mm. about how Joseph's coat comes on him, and remember, he gets hated by his brothers. Remember, it's Samuel goes into anoint David and ever ever since the anointing all the way through scripture he's just hated and hated and hated Saul tries to kill him mm. God's anointing was on you before you went to Asheville 
you ran, you got in the belly of the, of the well. He pointed the well down the mountain from Asheville to Greenville and spit you out here. So you come here and you are ticked off at first. I'm, well, honestly, I just, like we get to Greenville and I, I started working in car sales, which I mean, everything was so humbling for me because I had been preaching since I was 17, man. Like the glory, like the presence of God, and then and then the hyper grace thing. Even on that, there was a little bit of glory, you know what yeah. I mean. But then everything just fell apart when I started losing my footing on what I believed about it, and it pushed toward universalism, deconstructionism. I'm like, I don't know about any of this. I quit, and so we moved out of Asheville. We we came here, and I'm selling cars. But I sensed the presence of God so heavy on me while I was at this car dealership. I'm telling you, it was like the Lord met me there. And uh, that's what I want to just tell leaders and pastors and people that think they're the thing in ministry. It's okay if God ever shuts a, a ministry door for you. He might have something that he needs to deal with you privately for six, seven years. Maybe he knows what he's doing. Maybe he knows what he's doing. So that was, the, that was the best thing ever, man. And I met Jesus in the car on the way to work every day, on the way home from work, and while I'm selling cars to people, people would just be like, we really appreciate you. I found the ministry of the Holy Spirit through me, selling a little Hyundai to somebody, more more so than standing on a stage. And And, and until I think, well, that's that was just such a such a precious season. That's all I can say about it. So then, but I still had some hurt, man. I'd written a blog about my experience leaving IHOP KC, which I held on to that experience for three years, didn't say a ton, and then I wrote this blog. And honestly, man, it was uh, in hindsight, it was a mistake, but the Lord used it because the blog. I didn't know the next day I'd wake up and it'd have like twenty five thousand shares and all this stuff. And I tried to do. It's kind of like you said. Everybody in that camp is like very nice, 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 but there's teeth behind it always. And so, anyway, man, I um. In 2018, the Lord started to, I, we showed up here at this church and you said probably the first time we came, you said something about hyper grace. I was like, oh my gosh. And I was looking around at the worship, everything. <laughs> the thing to the, the, the worship and the, the, the presence, it hurt Chad, because, because I wanted to be back to where my heart was just open again. And, but everything was so painful because when you're in that place and you deconstruct so intensely, you question every, the theology of every worship yeah. song, every word, it's paranoia. Every, every person it's that's paranoia. dancing or, or doing a flag, yeah. every person that's sitting, you, you're judging everything. It's and I'm like, judgment. I'm like, this is not me. That's how I felt. I'm Can like, I stop is, for a second? Yeah. So you were in hypergrace and fell into judgment. Can we just sit there for a second? Yeah. Not just judgment, but a high level of it. Mm-hmm. Am I the... I could not drink from the river, man. Can I just talk about the elephant in the room? Yeah. How in the world does a movement known as hyper-grace produce so much judgment in people? That is what blown my mind around here in the last 10 years. It's true. My wife would always say the same thing. She's like, why are your old friends so rude to you? Just because you're like doing business now. Even when I got into business, they, they would like come and comment just these rude things. You know what reminds me of? Judaizers. You yeah. show me that right now. So Paul... Everywhere he went, they stirred up trouble for him. Well, Judaizers, they still believe sort of kind of like Paul did. But then what the devil will do is he'll try to tear something down from the inside. Mm -hmm. Like if, if I get hate mail from someone I don't know, sometimes I— It, it doesn't even affect me No. Much, yeah. I mean, one time I, I threw—this used, used to be my office, and I threw it in the trash can over there, and it was from a professor at a university around here. And I, I even like chuckled like, Goodness gracious, what is he even talking about? But you get the Judaizers near Paul, and they're sort of insiders. 
that's how the devil really wants to tear something tear something down. Yeah. So what happened when uh so you got triggered So in- we're in church and and uh and we did, and so Christina was pregnant with our first with our first baby, Ella Jean, who's 3 now. And um and then the back end of her pregnancy was was really rough. That's actually why we moved here just to be close to her family during her pregnancy. I was working like crazy. I I left the car business after 3 months, got recruited into insurance, started doing well but working a lot. So I was working all the time, driving from Asheville to Greenville to to sell and work. So we just moved out here, came to this church once, and and I did not want to come back. And Christina liked it just fine. Did you know why? I knew why. Yeah. Oh yeah, I knew why because it was hitting. It didn't those... feel good. Yeah. It didn't feel good, but it but I but it was painful because I wanted to not feel that. C.S. Lewis says God screams at us in our pain. You know, the root word in Latin of pain is passion. Mm. So hyper grace, it wants, it's a message that people believe that they can bypass pain. They want to mask your pain. And you find God in the pain blaze. Yeah. He sent you to face your pain. Yeah. So what happened? He did, man. He did. I did. You, did I take so, you off? N- Oh, oh yeah, many times, but but we we didn't come back for <laughs> we didn't come back for like six months, and and that was because of Christina's pregnancy. What was going on? We just honestly because we only visited, and then we visited somewhere else, and then we were just like, let's watch you know church online for a while on just whatever we can find online. So we did, and then we had the baby, and then that first three months we never slept, and then finally after the kid was about six seven months old, I I just sensed this in my spirit. I think this is 2018. I just felt like the Lord just saying, God ministered to me so much in the marketplace, Chad. Just he yeah. met me. I, dr- I had to drive all over South Carolina and North Carolina to sell insurance. And it, 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 I was driving everywhere. And in that place, he met me so many times. The same way he would meet me when I was 16 years old, just talking to him in my room. Simplicity. It wasn't about a stage. It wasn't about ministry. It was just about Jesus. And I'll tell you what, man. At the end of the day, I, there were many times I just thought, Lord, if if I've already done my part for the kingdom, you know, I'm 35, and if I did from 17 to 29, did my part, then whatever you want to do, I just I just want to make sure I know you. I just want to make sure if I go out, I want to go out and. and it was pure. I, it was. It was. He met me again, man, and did he I tell you to come back here. Yeah, he did. He said, "Go back to that church." <laughs> I mean, straight up. He just. I knew in my spirit. He said, "Go back to that church." And I also sensed deeply as we had Ella Jean because it's one thing to act crazy when you're and just throw your theology around and just be whatever. Whenever you're like. I mean, even leading your wife, that's a major thing. But like when you get have a kid, all of a sudden you're like, okay. And thank God I had a good model of a dad that did devotionals with us growing up and tried to lead us right, married for 45 years. And that's what I looked at and I said, I want that. And I don't want to be this rogue-like guy that just can't go to church because he has this pain. I need my daughter and my kids to come to go somewhere where they can meet Jesus the way I met Jesus when I was 16. And I'm not going to let my pain get in the way of that. So I said- Have you noticed that a lot of hyper-gracers are drawn to itinerant ministers and podcasts? Oh yeah, they don't go anywhere. They don't want a home. They don't want a covering. They make fun of coverings. Do they really? Yeah. It's a joke to them. Wow. It's literally a joke. Wow. Really? Yeah. So they open up Jesus is our covering, Chad. Why would I need a covering? Who who's the great apostle in the city I need to get covered by? That's I mean those are the things that are said. 
And I get in some, what they take is the extremes. They take the extremes of the charismatic movement where there's, uh, where there's mistakes made and they make fun of those to de- to uh, de- delegitimize the re- the real. So they would have a heart attack over John Bevere's book, Undercover. Yeah. And if they read Spiritual Authority by Watchman Nee, they would say he is the devil. You know I had a dream uh, recently that Watchman Nee was staring at me. It scared me in my dream. I looked right Tell at him. Tell me about this. And, and uh, it was, was it that week that, uh, it was that week someone... I'm trying to remember. It said that there was a Watchman Nee anointing on this house. Mm. By the way, we're in the studio right now. The Holy Spirit's giving me a word for Armando and, and Shayla Ramos, and, and that is the blessing in your life has come from the opposite of what Blaze just said. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have never had a conversation in my life about Armando and Shayla submitting to this house, or I've never, I don't, it's not that. I mean, let people just follow God. I didn't mm-hmm. tell you to come here and submit no. here. I mean, matter of fact, you had a dream recently. God showed you some of my brokenness, and in the dream, you were being used to help me. Covering is not some the great man of God who's perfect. It's for your benefit. It's for the person that's going under the cover. It's their benefit. I have I've, I've thought about hyper grace. I, I, we got to stop here. We got to pause before we go back to your story. I've thought about this for ten years. That God's been talking to me. I, I've never chewed on the fact that they hate covering. When you said that, I thought. Wait a minute, that's another thing to add to the... It's a main pillar that they don't talk about much, but it is the thing that... It, that's, why the, that's why the movement's so messy. Is it, it, it... So it's basically... And anybody that is a leader over there, because they're so against covering, they won't cover anybody. They don't care. I mean... It, what about in uh, Ephesians 5, in, in marriages, uh, hypergrace teachers, is... Uh, the idea of a husband leading a wife, I understand through humility and gentleness and empathy. I get it, but uh, there's a point guard. I- anything with two heads is a monster. Did- well, this is where the hyper grace movement splits because you have some that still hang on to things like that, and some that uh, it 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 it. it t- eventually has to get into the progressive Christianity. You have to go that way, which is like, which is basically not only does the husband not become the head anymore, but actually we can just marry whatever the heck we want now or whoever the heck we want. Like you have to end up going there with this movement because it's, it deconstructs so inten- intensely. Have you noticed that most, not all, most type of grace teachers are itinerant? Have you noticed that? Yeah, because it's the safest place for them to be and not get confronted. You can hide, too. You can hide. Around, you know, you get a local body, elder structure, accountability. The light shines bright in, in a church setting. And this is why once the Lord told us to come back here... I, yeah, jump, I, jump back in. So the Lord told back. us to come back here. The Lord spoke to me and said, take, take him back there. So I told my wife, let's go back to that church. I didn't tell her all the stuff going on because honestly, it was too hard to articulate. And I didn't know what was going on until hindsight. But uh, Isn't that great though? God can do something in us. And then it's easier to dust for his fingerprints when we look back. Now you're like, you were doing this all along, Father. It's all clear now. It's all clear. Wow. Well, I told my wife, I said, let's go back over there. She said, okay, you sure? Because anytime we came and you said hyper grace and things, it didn't trigger her. She just would look at me like, are you okay with this? <laughs> like, but she's like, you sure? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, let's, I, I never really said much, but I was just like, anytime that, that I felt triggered, she would always ask me afterward. I'd be like, I don't know, but I'm just nowhere supposed to be here. When did you start going, wait a minute, Jehovah Sneaky? This is you. Oh, I know exactly when because, well, first of all, he told us to come. We came on a Sunday night, 
and um, we walked in and I told the Lord on the way into the building, I said, Lord, if I, f- I have to feel your That's presence it. again, like I, I, I miss you so much. Did like, you come to the altar that night? Were you on your face? I remember one of these services, I looked down, I was like, that guy is getting... I got pummeled a few times. Pummeled? Not that first time. I wasn't ready to come down to the altar yet. But uh, but the Lord, when we walked in and I stood there in those seats, the presence of God hit me. And there's a difference between the private being together with Jesus and the corporate body. And that's what I missed, Chad, was the body. Mm-hmm. The body, not the body that believed everything just like I did because we're all hyper grace people and we're all drunk in the spirit. Look, yay, we're feeling God mm-hmm. because we're the ones that are right and no one mm-hmm. else is. I missed the genuine mm-hmm. longing and love of Jesus. Long, mm-hmm. Like the to long for Jesus is wrong in that movement because we got him now. Well, I beg to differ. We have his spirit in in some in some great measure. But I beg to differ that we don't have the return of Christ yet. And that's okay to long for. But that movement hates that idea. The Father, show me for you and your wife. Because you've gone low, he's going to elevate you really high. And I don't know uh, Christina at all. I mean, I've met her a couple of times. She is uh, very important for what God wants to do with the both of you. She's very discerning, very wise. She's, you know, God does this. Whenever he picks a couple, He'll. she's just really important. And um, she's solid. She's like an oak. Yeah. And because you've gone low, he wants you to help a lot of people. You know, at the end of the day, God loves us all in our brokenness. It's not when the judgment of God falls, even in the New Testament church, which I know hyper grace teaching doesn't even believe in that stuff. But when the judgment falls in the New Testament church, so for what is the purpose? for us to get back to our first love, to be focused on Him. And He's not just grace, He's truth. Mm-hmm. And all the, all we're d- dealing with here is a doctrine of demons. Uh, so why, is God, why does it make God so mad? Because the devil uses some erroneous teaching to get us wh- away from the Father. Yeah. And Satan realized he couldn't defeat the church. And that's that's what it ended up doing. And uh He joined it, the church. Satan yeah. joined it. And he got you off course. And God the great hound of heaven, Richard Foster calls him. Mm-hmm. The great hound of heaven came and got you. Yeah. So what is this whole conversation about in the first place? It's about being lovers with friends of God. Yes. And that's what it was, Chad, was when I would hear you preach, I was like, that has always been my message. What he's saying, friendship with the Father. That has always been my message. That's my life. But you got to do it on dream. his terms. Yeah, you got to do it. You got to do it on his terms. And Jesus says, "Why you call me Lord? And you won't do it." Oh, I'll exactly. Say. The 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 hyper grace movement. I'll be honest, Chad. It's not even about being friends with Jesus. It's about believing right. And ooh, that's powerful. Hang on, that just hit me in the hitter. That is a fact. It, it, that's why it's. This is where I see the similarities between this and hyper Calvinism. I really do. You're friends with your own mindset. You're friends with your own theology. Yeah. So we're all theologians. It, all theology is is thinking about God. And what happens is we most of us feel chaos. And you say, no, I don't. Yes, you do. You're just in denial. It's the most medicated the population in the history of the world. People disassociate into whatever brings them calm. And so what we do is we create theologies to give us a sense of peace. And the problem is I cannot put a theology on a mysterious God. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is as he's not just reformed; he's Armenian. If those two words can even be used to describe him, they're too small. Mm-hmm. You see these two camps, and it's like, uh, how in the world can someone read like um, Wesley and Spurgeon at the same time? It's like, well, I can't do that because I have to memorize Spurgeon's theology because it, it, it honestly it makes me feel because ah, mm-hmm. I have to be right. 
Mm-hmm. And the whole thing down here is not about being right. It's about being in love with the Father and loving people and being okay with mystery. Yeah. The moment my theology is complete, I am in deep doo-doo. Yeah. Because you know it's crazy. There are part there are parts there it is impossible to deny the reality of reformed theology. It is impossible to ignore Wesley. Mm-hmm. It is impossible to ignore it's like um, we're drawn to polarities because they, I can think right, and here comes my peace. Mm-hmm. See, I used to think Jesus existed to get me out of tension. I did. Mm-hmm. I think Jesus exists to put me in the tension because it's in tension when I grow. He said, "You don't think to come that I. You think that I've come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword yeah, to bring I, division." I just, I just wrote a chapter in a book on that that oh. comes out in December, and I'm gonna tell you this: He brought you to make you face your pain. So when people run from businesses, spouses. Churches, anything, cities. Yeah. If you'd sit in your pain a little bit longer, you may find the God you're starving for. That's why solitude, solitude's a weapon around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, God sovereignly has given us two ponds. I make our ascent students spend so much time at the pond, and it, sometimes people are like, "What are we doing?" And then by the end of the school year, people realize God's. I'm being facetious, but God's more at that pond than He is in our services. Mm-hmm. Don't send me. I hear. Don't send me an email. <laughs> what I just said. I, I tell people all the time. It was uh, Armando's wife. We went on a hike a year ago, Armando, me, Shayla. I can't remember who else went. And I said, Shayla, you're going to find that God is more in the mountains than he is in your everyday life. Obviously, I'm being facetious, but the point is this. She goes on a hike, and she goes, you're right. God is typically found in our pain. I mean, some of these hikes, we've done 86 hikes. My son did one yesterday. Some of them are brutal. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you are really angry three-fourths of the way in. But people get off of it, and it's like, man, I really connected with God there. Where am I going at? Any theology, speaking of thinking correctly, any theology that takes me out of my pain because I don't want to wrestle, God God has a hard time breaking in. But the moment you just say, Father, show me where you are in this, he'll say, why don't you just leave Asheville? And I'm actually doing this because I only discipline those I love, Blaze. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just come down the mountain and you'll sell some cars at first? I'm gonna take you to a church that's gonna it is gonna touch on some of that stuff that's really gotten you far away from me. But if you'll let me enter your pain, I'll bring you to the other side of it. And by the way, don't forget, Blaze, I birthed Israel out of a wrestling match with Jacob. You started wrestling here, Chad. I have to tell you, I have to, this bring me to one more point that I think. You're going to love this part of the story. So I sat, the Lord just made it clear, just sit in this year and a half, two years, become a member. We came, we became, we came to membership class early. Holy smokes, you had a covering. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, exactly. And I was so happy to sign that sheet and just become <laughs> a member. Like seriously, I felt, I was, I started giving, we started tithing. We started, I mean, just everything because I just knew, I didn't know what God had planned for the future. I just knew I want my family to be in a place where they can grow like oaks in the house of the Lord. My children, I just want to be, and I want to be in a safe place in the body of Christ, and I want to worship Jesus with sincerity and all these things. And so anyway, we're sitting in this for a year and a half, and uh, actually it was early 20, late 2018, early 2019, the Lord spoke to me, said, I want you to email everybody 
that you, he gave me names of people to send emails to that I had done things during that season where I'd said something, uh, written something about thinking I was right, not even trying to be mean. Wow. Just, and I mean, the first one I, I emailed my, uh, my old mentor at, at IHOP KC and I just put this, uh, wow. it, it was called the olive branch email. I still have it. He came back with such tender forgives and, and was like, man, there's so much I learned from that season about how I did. Th- I mean, dude, it was like I feel like I need this. I need to share this story to sprinkle the atmosphere with faith. Yeah. Of how real this is. So what you didn't know is in a conversation that had nothing to do with you, Michael Thornton and I began uh, a conversation on this false justice narrative. And Michael said he he said I feel like I'm supposed to read this book by a man named Stuart Greaves who's on staff at IHOP, not knowing that a guy named Blaze. What's up, man? I feel the anointing hit me. Do you feel that? Yes, bro. A guy named Blaze was on stage playing the... I'm not good with music, not the guitar. What do you play? The electric guitar? Guitar. It's just regular. Acoustic, yeah. Oh, acoustic. Yeah. Um, you're playing the guitar, not knowing that he had played... Stuart played a huge role in your life. The next week or so, we get in a conversation. I'm like, hey, hang on, <laughs> hang on. Who did you just say? This was mind-blowing. Stuart Greaves. And so I'm thinking, wait a minute. You were at IHOP. In other words, God's been a part of this the whole, whole journey, thing, and He wants to help a lot of people just get to the cross and stick to the cross. Yeah. Well, we got two more episodes we're going to record uh, on this conversation. I hope it's helping you. Um, I really do. Uh, Armando and the team do a good job here of getting these podcasts out. and Spread, spread the word. Uh, perhaps you want to sow into Coach and Joe. I want to give you an opportunity uh, to do that. You can go to uh, Bridgeway Church. Dot org and there's an icon you can click on there. Um, they also can go to coachandjoe.com. Uh, financially so into this ministry. We're trying to help as many leaders. This podcast is intended for leaders. Got some more stuff coming out here with Bridgeway Media. Uh, got a lot of stuff in the hopper that we're working on for this one. I just want to say thank you for being in here. We got two more episodes we'll film uh, next week and hope it just helps a lot of people. In the name of Jesus, uh, be bold against the enemy in your life. Don't ever back down to any spirit of intimidation, but yet be tender with people. Be bold towards the devil, but tender with people. Go and peace. Thanks for joining us on the Coach and Joe Leadership Podcast. Don't miss the Coach and Joe talk show on YouTube and coachandjoe.com for epic merch, blogs, and ways to help keep us up and running. We'll see you next time on the Coach and Joe Leadership Podcast.